0: Take the time to call Transformations Treatment Center for the answers, 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725, or go online to transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from, let's just say the southeast portion of the United States, we have a guest on the show who's an active duty law enforcement officer, and so we're going to keep his identity secret. We're just going to call him John Doe. John, thanks so much for calling the Law Enforcement Show. Very much appreciated.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you for your time. Look forward to the conversation. It's going to be great.
0: One of the things that a lot of people don't get is, yeah, we have free speech in America, but when you're a law enforcement officer, you have to be very careful what you say on social media. Most departments have a social media policy. You can't speak to the media, use your name, and while we've had guests on the show who are active duty officers, they all make clear they are not spokespersons for the department, but still, it's better to be anonymous than to protect yourself that way. So I totally understand why you're doing this. In case some people don't, it's to provide protection for you. Yes, sir. That's correct. We're going to talk about something that's very timely. We're going to talk about policing during this pandemic for coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever terminology people want to use. I'm an old school police, John. Back in the day, we dealt with HIV, hepatitis, every kind of communicable disease you could imagine. And that never stopped us from doing our job. So I would imagine even with coronavirus, COVID-19, that doesn't stop you guys from doing your job as well.
1: No, that's correct. We we still have a duty to poll, which is the protection of life and property and liberties and uh it definitely it is a team effort it is of course in context not as devastational i would imagine as some of the examples you gave like the AIDS virus or even malaria but still every bit as dangerous and we must uh uphold to uh, certain
0: protocols now uh, your, you know the word your department d- where the you're doctor. working have you guys had anyone test positive for coronavirus in in your area
1: uh yes we have we have had, uh, people, how many officers? Uh, uh, let's see. So the department uh, where I am, there's uh, one in the big city agency. They have, I think, four documented cases. So
0: it, it's prevalent. And I, I did an interview recently with a, a radio colleague, George Rodriguez, on uh, KLUP in San Antonio, Texas. And one of the things that he brought up, he asked me to talk about what we're hearing from law enforcement officers about policing the pandemic and, and how things have changed. And one of the things I brought up to him, and uh, this will be very obvious, the distinction and difference between policing nowadays and the policing when I did it is the lack of distance between the officer and the person you're dealing with. We were always taught 21 feet apart and at very closest to six to eight feet can you explain the reason why is that something you've been taught at all
1: yeah so for the for the reasons of officer safety of course you know they would teach the 21 feet but in the growing era of community policing where they expect law enforcement to be a little more accessible a little more approachable they've kind of uh sacrificed a little bit sometimes the gap that needs to exist for for uh prime safety but, yeah, in these times, absolutely right. It calls for a change of tactics. A lot of agencies, to my knowledge, have gone more to a call for service, which means that you are not going out there and looking for things. You're basically making yourself available in certain areas so that you can respond in a timely fashion. They're suggesting to not make arrests unless it is something that is life threatening um, or the potential of injury is grave, asking to not do traffic stops, again, unless, you know, the Danger will justify the means of doing it. Jails in the area are not taking people because, of course, there's a, there's a lot of risk, right? If they take one person that has COVID-19, that could stand to put at risk the entire jail community. So, yeah, it, it is definitely policing in different
0: times. And things have changed. Back to that conversation with the, the guy, George Rodriguez, um, and this is another thing that's changed. Back in my day, we carried... Uh, nightsticks. Uh, in Baltimore, we call them espantoons because the way we carried them. And it was a long piece of wood. We would twirl them. And we always had that in our non-strong hand or non-gun hand. I'm right-handed, so it was in the left hand. And when you're spinning it, it inadvertently kept people away. One of the reasons that we stopped doing that is what you said is the police commissioners, the politicians, the mayors, what have you, said it made us look unapproachable and unfriendly. So they began doing away with, went to other types of defensive equipment where it was closer to the body and people could get closer. Without arguing the the validity of that, in my opinion, to be honest with you, John, I think that this effort to get to the optics of how things look winds up putting our first responders in particular, our law enforcement in greater danger. And this pandemic is a clear cut example.
1: You're absolutely right. And if, if you compare, you know, like I, we both understand having done this definitely more than me, but we've both done this a while. Perception's everything. 90% of war is your image. And you can deter a lot of potential harm and danger just by looking the part. If you go to, obviously in different times, you know, when you, it's okay to fly, if you go to France or you go to Germany, what's the first thing you see in the airport? You see Armed to the teeth, MPs. Does right. that stop people from going on vacation? It does not. So yeah. I think that maybe again, you say well, we're not supposed to argue the point, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. Th- I think it's maybe not a much of a point as the politicians are it. I think good guys feel safer if they see a, a well armed
0: police officer. The other thing too that happens is, and this is something I don't want people to get or forget, is you have a law enforcement officer and they get dispatched to all these calls, and you've had this pandemic going on, which we do. If an officer winds up getting exposed to someone, and when we get these calls for service, we're dealing with, quite often, the worst aspects of society. and uh, People that live at-risk lifestyles, that have drug, alcohol problems, all cor- sorts of other things, and are quite often exposed to every disease known to man. So if that officer gets exposed to, say, coronavirus, and then goes, yes. gets dispatched to another call, and let's just say the next one is a an alarm call at a house, and they talk to people, and there's four people in a house, and they're all close. Then you had the risk of cross-contaminating or exposing them to it as well, even though they've been doing the whole social distancing thing. Am I correct? Yes, sir.
1: Yes, sir. You're correct, and I'd be interested. Uh, you know, you are, I guess, out there more than I am as far as being exposed to the international spectrum and even the the countrywide spectrum. What kind of safety measures our departments taking these days. I know that some departments are uh, checking your temperature before shift, which really, uh, depending on what kind of uh, medical reports you're here to, uh, once temperature ensues, it may be too late. So that being said, what are some of the like safety measures you've seen that you think departments should, should adopt in the country? Uh,
0: we've yes, had sir. reports of officers being issued N95 masks, and then we've had as many reports of officers not being issued masks because of the optics of how it looks. Again, how things look, I'd get the whole argument about perspective is reality or perception is reality, even though it's not often factually based. This is a Law Enforcement Today show. Check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. When you get there, click like and follow. We're going to take a short break and turn our conversation with John Doe, who's an active police officer in the southeast part of the United States, talking about policing during the coronavirus. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. all the radio stations in the united states there's only one show like ours the law enforcement today radio show and on facebook there's only one official page do a search on facebook for law enforcement today radio show that's law enforcement today radio show on facebook when you get there click like and follow back to our conversation with john doe we're calling him john doe that's not his real name He's a police officer, current, in the southeast portion of the United States. We'll leave it at that. The reason we're doing that, for those just tuning in, is officers are not caught, often not allowed to speak to the media with threat of all kinds of disciplinary action. Even though you are going to find out from this conversation, this is not, well, she did, he did, it's not telling tales. It's talking about policing during the, the coronavirus pandemic. Before we're in the break, John, you asked, have we heard different things that other agencies are doing? We've got reports. Go to letradioshow.com, the different articles there, uh, like uh, New York corrections officers not being allowed to wear masks while they're working uh, because of the optics. Although they're going out of their way to release prisoners to reduce the threat of coronavirus spreading through the jails, they don't allow their own officers to take necessary precautions. In addition to... Being six feet apart. That whole part is awful hard to pull off in a jail or a prison. I don't know how they do that. Then I've seen reports like in the Palm Beach Post, or recently an editorial, this was referring to EMS being called to an active coronavirus or suspected coronavirus patient call. And one of the things they did was they asked them to bring the person outside so the crew wouldn't have to go indoors. The other thing was they crept their responding EMTs. Two were in protective gear working on the patient, while two or three were six feet away. And the person, the partner of the person who called about the coronavirus patient was upset. He didn't like the way they were being treated. So I find that there's a lot of disparity. But one thing I need mm-hmm. know for certain is when you call for call for service, you got to go. And you got to do your job. And it doesn't matter how sick they are doesn't matter if there's a house fire or shots being fired, you got to go and do your job. And that means you're being exposed to this virus as well, or potentially.
1: That's absolutely correct. And, you know, um, I have seen it where in certain jurisdictions where leadership takes a proactive role and actually addresses the public and speaks to them and lets them know here is your, your public service force, here is the gear they're wearing. It may be scary, but it's for everyone's safety. You know, it's if, you know, when burns of command are properly accepted. Like you said earlier, you know we're not trying to point fingers, not trying to say he did it. she did it, but just basically what the eye through an eyes of an officer who is living through this that has been what I have seen, yeah, you're absolutely right too, as far as the difference disparity between um a the agency they can be patrolling roughly similar areas as you know, a lot of uh, cross jurisdictions in in play, and you'll see some of them well equipped with their with their with their masks and their gloves, and others don't have those things
0: yeah. So and it, it, nice doesn't, it, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason other than politics, and also, I hate to say this, financial reasons. A lot of jurisdictions can't afford this stuff, or may not be available. If it's not available for our hospitals, there's a good chance it's not available for our first responders.
1: Yeah, that uh, that's correct. So um, I was recently sent to a local hospital in the southeast to uh, see if they had any extra. Latex gloves, so I, I did that. And uh, when I went to uh, wherever they hand those things out, I saw a line of EMS and EMT employees um, there to collect their their mask and, and gear like that. And the word that they were given as each one got their mask was, "You're only getting one, and you cannot return it unless it's visibly soiled." So that's your point of how low it is. And you know, you would assume based on TV shows and movies that you know. It's all top of the line, but you know we are legitimately hurting the aspect of not having enough
0: gear. Yeah, there's never enough money. I hate to say this. You watch television, you watch the Hollywood movies, and you think think of the best equipment, the top. We used a to joke that our patrol cars. We we change cars every every eight hours, so we didn't have take home cars like a lot of agencies. And a lot of them, the seats are broken, and they're propped up with a two by four. That's the way Uh it was. Uh, So we didn't have the best equipment. And when it comes to disasters like this, you don't have the best equipment. And and speaking of disasters, John, whenever we had any kind of weather disaster or anything like that, civil disturbance, we were always called in. And and our families were left behind. Our spouses were left behind to take care of the children. And that's going on now as well. Are you guys working, when I say guys, that means men and women, for those... Who don't know? Are you guys working longer shifts? Have your shifts changed?
1: So yeah, they have gone to as far as during certain weeks canceling off days or re- revamping how they look like. So like last week, I only had one day, off. the two. So I got complain. but yeah, to your, to your question, yes, they are having to revisit how they schedule because, of course, uh, pandemics don't respond to any kind of schedule.
0: No. So when you leave for work, and let's say you do a twelve-hour shift, and you come home torn up, exhausted. Uh, we used to carry a can of Lysol in our patrol bag and we would spray down our uniform pants and shirts and uh, on routine calls because they were just that disgusting. Is there a fear that you might be bringing this virus home to your loved ones?
1: Yeah, the fear is every day. And, and so in fact, you know, uh, the aforementioned formula would be outstanding, except the country seemed to run out of Lysol, at least in the southeastern area that I'm in. So what I end up doing is having to, uh, the robe, so to speak, at the front door, and then everything goes directly right to the wash, and then I, I go take a shower. So yes, there is a concern. And, oh, daddy's
0: you know, home no and he's naked. <laughs> I, we used to come home, and I joke, I laugh, because that's the way it was. We would come home soaked w- with other people's blood. We would have changed uniform mm-hmm. in our lockers, because quite often we'd have to change because of that. And, and yes, you would come home feeling physically disgusting, and the very first thing we would do, I would do, is come home, discard my clothing, and, and get a sh- hot shower and try yeah. to... And I think part of it was psychological, John. Not just the the whole physical aspect of it, but part of it was like trying to wash off some of what we'd seen and done and all that kind of stuff. Because it, it felt like a, a clash of two worlds.
1: Well, and you even feel strange when you come home and you... Even after a shower, you're you're concerned, should I hug my wife? I mean, am I going to get my kids sick? You know, it definitely takes a psychological toll on
0: you, too. And how is the family doing with this added fear and tension?
1: There's probably a lot of stresses that they they don't show in order to try and support me. But you can tell, you know, that they're, they're, they're visibly stressed sometimes, and it hasn't helped to have the added dynamic of, we're in, a, in a part of the region where our schools are shut down so everybody's homeschooling, you know. So we are, you know, it's hard to keep your six feet distance and, you know. So yeah, it's trying times.
0: One of the things that I found for myself at the end of my career was that I would become distant quite often after work. And mm-hmm. when I say distant, it wasn't such a physical thing as it was emotional and being emotionally unavailable, needing to decompress so that that took a toll that took a toll on the relationship with my wife and I and adding into that the stress the trauma all the things that go along with being a first responder and law enforcement in particular that we all experience now you have the added bonus of the stress of potential contamination or giving this virus to other people that are close to us I can't to imagine how that is this is the Law Enforcement Today's show we we'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead
1: of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you.
0: Now there's a way you can take back control with one simple call. If you owe $10,000 or more in credit card debt,
1: That's 800-709-4389.
0: There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. Back to our conversation with John. I'm calling him John Doe. Not his real name, by the way. In case you didn't notice, he's an active law enforcement officer in the Southeast portion of the United States. And we're talking about policing during this coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. I don't know about you, John, but there came a point where I didn't actively think about the potential threats that we would face every day. If we did, I don't think I could do my job. And quite often, I didn't really acknowledge the danger until after a situation occurred. Because I think that if we really sat down and, and had this in the forefront of our mind, we wouldn't go out anywhere, go do anything. But this whole thing with, and maybe it's just me, coronavirus has added a wrinkle to the perspective of like, look, I can get sick just handling a lost dog call yes, or sir. whatever it might be. How, do you, how are you dealing with that?
1: Well, it definitely takes a team effort. It definitely takes uh, uh, leadership that cares about you as far as how they design your plan, how they uh, try and make you less of a self-initiated agency into more of a cause of service. You know, it definitely requires investment on in everyone's part. And you're right; it's you know, it's facing an enemy that has no face. You know, you don't know who's sick. You don't know if the person that just walked by you. Because I guess it's tricky as well because you know you hear doctors speaking, and then you. I'm the kind of person that if I see an EMT or EMS driving by, and they stop at a light, I'll ask them, so what have you heard? You know, what's come down the chain? And, you know, it's all the different theories that you get of how you can possibly get this. And you're right, too. You can't think about the danger when you're responding because, uh, you know, it's human nature to not go the direction of a threat. But something else is true. You know, you often hear the comments of the public that has no idea what you go through. That's what you signed up for. Well, yes and no. An officer signed up to get sick or hurt just as much as a football player signed up to get tackled. You know, a football player knows who get tackled, but he didn't sign up to get tackled. That's, you know, the kind of adage. And coaches or leaders will know that, and they will design plays so that if they get hit, it's not hit as hard as as will be bad for them. And then they have the quarterback throw in certain ways so that the court, the receiver is in the best position to not get hurt as badly. So that being said, you know, there's a plan in place. But I guess what's kind of taken us by surprise here is – they weren't expecting this pandemic, so from just from my personal view and the views of others who have spoken to me out in the field, command did not seem prepared for this. No, so, I can honestly
0: I wouldn't see how they would be prepared. We had yes, a great sir. question posed uh, on Facebook. Someone sent me a message, and by the way, do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. And what they said was. And you're out here working, this agency is working 12-hour shifts, and they've got one day off a week, like you said, and they're trying to overlap, and they're trying to do the most coverage with the least amount of people because they also have a recruiting problem and a retention problem. And one of the things that the person said was, if you wind up getting exposed and diagnosed not or confirmed that you have coronavirus, is there quarantine? If so, where do they go? Do they go to a hotel? Most of the hotels are closed. Do you go home and then run the risk of giving it to your family? And this person said he'd been policing for 15 years. And as far as he knew, his agency had even today, as of today, had zero plan for potential exposure.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, we may not have been, again, extra careful to not seem like I'm trying to point fingers here. But there has been other have been other diseases that have the world has faced, such as AIDS and malaria and stuff like that. And although the entire country has not been shut down ever before, there had to have been some kind of measures taken, right? Or do, I mean. You would think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess, but, so whatever the case is, you know, this is a time to uh, see how we can improve things. You mentioned a little bit about the recruiting issue. That would be, as you know, uh, could cover several segments in the future, you know. Um, yeah. One of the main things is if you look at the kind of person law enforcement needs to do the job is someone of high integrity, somebody who values growth, basically an up and up kind of person to attract and retain that kind of person. Because let me tell you, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've seen it. Agencies, at least in the Southeast, are struggling to keep people. Yes, And, uh, you know, so there's some things that can happen to improve that, but that would probably be another show.
0: Yeah. And we've had so many people on and, and people that have not been on yet. Uh, because quite frankly, they're afraid to talk about it. But one of the issues is you have officers, my department, my old department retired from Baltimore Police Department, incredible amount of stress, incredible amount of violence. And I want to backtrack to something you said earlier. I think it was a great point. Hey, you knew what you signed up for. No, quite honestly, I didn't. I thought I did. I had no idea the amount of violence that took place on a daily basis where I worked. I had no idea the amount of violence that would be inflicted upon me. I had no idea just the amount of people that were dying from drug overdoses and, and the amount of violence they inflicted on loved ones. That kind of stuff, there's nothing on television prepared me for that. So and when I say that, I say, if you think it's this okay because, hey, that's what the cops signed up for, what's that say about our society? that's you people that's our communities that are doing this
1: definitely i'm sure you've experienced this in your years of experience so you'll be a city in your patrol car monitoring the flow of traffic and it's it's on a city block you know so there are people walking and the inevitable sarcastic person starts by and says they wish they had your job well let me tell you something in these days in the street i have not had one person say they wish they had my job so it's amazing how, you know, perspectives change.
0: Are they treating you differently? Are, are people giving you at least a little quiet respect?
1: Yeah, yes, sir. There is a little bit more of the quiet reverence respect. You know, for the most part, my experience has been we're seeing that a great percentage of people are good and don't know what to do. But, you know, we've had a lot of people trying to give us gifts, and it's kind of awkward because, you know, you don't want to be rude. At the same time, You know it's probably not safe to accept it. But, yeah, we have seen a lot of community try
0: and step forward and give us a hand. One of the things that has got to be a big concern, because I noticed this walking my, of all things, walking my dogs last night on a very mm-hmm. quiet rural area where I live, there's, it's a dead end street, there's no through traffic, there's very little traffic, it's like 9.30 at night, John, and I have two Rottweilers, and what thought came to my mind was, hey, I think I need to start carrying a gun while I'm walking my dogs. I, I'm not mm-hmm. the kind of guy who thinks like that. I'm not one of these, hey, you know, it could get bad. But the threat of civil disturbance and when things can get bad and when people get desperate, I don't know if it's a healthy fear or if it's driven by the media. Do you sense that kind of bubbling frustration and potential fear for civil disturbance?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a you know bubbling fear of people that, you know, aren't able to maintain the shopping habits they once had or the social life they once had, you know, people being cooped up at home is, as you know, in your experience, the domestic violence calls are, are going higher because people are confined to small quarter spaces where they wouldn't otherwise, if they could go to the book club meetings or, you know,
0: wherever they go to hang out.
1: So definitely, um, and what makes it so predictable is you don't know what people are thinking until they start acting.
0: Right. Yes, yeah, and then definitely. we go the, the whole distance thing. Uh, man, the domestic the, the calls, we jokingly would say that you, you just never knew what you're going to get. Uh, and I hate to say this, but oftentimes we became complacent, even though we knew that the potential for violence was great. The, mm-hmm. Around holidays and, in particular, blizzards. I know in the Southeast United States, you don't get many blizzards, but where people mm-hmm. spend a lot of time together and alcohol is flowing, the potential for... All-out brawls in a family was huge and if you wound up having to lock up dad next thing you knew when you're trying to cart him off the jail mom who just was beaten up s- severely mm-hmm. is all over you trying to attack you uh, and that was quite often what we faced this is a law enforcement today show we are talking with we're calling him John Doe he's an active duty law enforcement officer in southeast portion of the United States and we're talking about policing during the coronavirus pandemic don't go anywhere we'll be right back so many people ask me how did i transition from police work to a career in radio what did i do to become a music radio dj plus host of the syndicated law enforcement day radio talk show and podcast the answer is simple i attended the connecticut schools of broadcasting where i learned by doing At Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting's 11 East Coast campuses, students have learned by doing for 55 years, radio, television, podcasting, and now coding for web development. At the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, students learn in months, not years. Day and evening classes are available. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting is perfect for those graduating from high school, adults looking for new career training, first responders, and veterans, too. For veterans, some or all your tuition could be covered by your VA benefits. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting has locations in Connecticut, Florida, Georgia, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, and North Carolina. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting training in audio-video production, television, sports, podcasting, radio, and web development. What are you waiting for? Get more information. Call 800-887-2346 or online at GoCSB.com. For special offers and consideration, tell them you heard about them from law enforcement today. That's 800-887-2346 and online at GoCSB.com. Again, 800-887-2346 and online at GoCSB.com. place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. This is Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley joined by, we're calling him John Doe. He is an active duty law enforcement officer in the southeast portion of the United States. I'm very careful not to say his real name or what agency he works for because well, that's a big no-no nowadays. And even back in the day, I remember I was interviewed by Oprah Winfrey when she was a reporter for Channel 13 in Baltimore before she came big time. But back then, even as a police officer or a sergeant, you had to be very careful how you talked. To her. We didn't have the PIOs as much as we do nowadays. So I appreciate you coming on and telling what's going on. I would imagine it's accurate to say that this pandemic at this point has thrown a totally different wrench into the daily operations of almost every police department across the United States and probably around the world.
1: Yes, sir, because you know, even though you know, there are speculations back and forth or different trains of thought as far as do we train enough, do we not train enough? It's kinda of hard to train for an enemy that doesn't have a face kind of thing. That's been the biggest change of dynamic that I've seen, kind of has the officer walking around very speculatively and, you know, trying to keep a distance. You go to the gas station to get your coffee and whatnot and you're afraid to touch touch the coffee cup. You find yourself uh maybe picking the third or fourth cup in, you know, just taking precautions you wouldn't otherwise take. But uh and I guess obviously washing our hands more unusual, but yeah, it has changed how policing has been done, at least in my eyes, in the southeast.
0: And earlier you said because we we're talking about carrying cans of Lysol with us all the time that you, mm-hmm. you can't find them where you're at.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, Lysol has been a big commodity uh, when it first came out. You could you couldn't even find water in the stores. Uh, wipes are just not coming back. But most yeah most of the alcohol. Like, well, my alcohol products are not on the shelf yet, at least where, where I am.
0: One of the so. jokes that, that I'm sure you've heard, I know you've heard, mm-hmm. is the whole thing with affinity with cops and donuts. And I always try to oh, yeah, tell sure. people the reason why is because we were so busy. Unless you packed a lunch, you never had time to take lunch. And the only things that were open, especially in night work, were 7-Elevens and convenience stores. So we are trying to shove a hot dog or a donut, or some pastry down our throat and guzzle a cup of coffee before we go through our next call for service. Sure. Nowadays, and before this pandemic, so many officers that wind up going to these fast food establishments, and then we hear reports of, uh, we don't serve your kind, or, or they're messing with the food. How do you guys even find time to eat and eat in a way where you feel safe? So in my particular case,
1: I don't uh, eat food out like I used to. I do what I always should have knew that's because it's healthier anyway. I I pack lunch, but yeah, most I get is coffee, but it does make you paranoid because you hear horror stories about, I forget what fast food chain it was, and I guess names don't matter. They spit in an officer's hamburger, and you know, it's, it's just, you, you never know, but you know, you did say that there are jokes about donuts, and it's, the joke I always say is, everyone's a cop at heart because everyone likes
0: donuts. <laughs> I, I love donuts. We can't lie about that. I am powerless over donuts, but, so the, the whole thing is born out of necessity and you know i try to pack a lunch too but i'll i'll admit back in the day when i was a young cop i was a wild man and i used to say i would work and then when i was on day work i'd go out for ladies night i'd be up to two o'clock in the morning then up at 7 a.m to go to court and, and not blink an eye nowadays 9 30 at night i'm like i want to go to bed i can't stay awake so the thought of packing lunch was not something that was viable. Nowadays, I don't know how anybody. I think about it, and to be honest with you, I don't eat at fast food establishments anymore because of the attitudes. And uh, I'll show you. I'll 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 spit in your food. I'll do whatever whatever it is. I I don't do that anymore. I'll, I'll stop somewhere, or I think ahead and I pack my lunch. And this whole coronavirus has got to add another layer of fear into this like you said touching a coffee cup no big deal before two months nope. ago now is this a life or death situation
1: definitely definitely yeah i guess as it, as it would appear mom was right wash your hands so i've been doing that more lately
0: too yeah it's funny mm-hmm. i washed my hands and someone taught me a long time ago to sing the happy birthday song while you do it and if you sing it uh-huh, twice yeah. then you've got more enough time then I found out, especially in public restrooms, they meant sing to yourself, not out loud, because people look oh, at you oops. funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe
0: these days you got to sing it twice to do it long enough. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so it, it's kind of enlightening, and it's refreshing to know that y- you guys are still out there. Again, people who aren't used to what aren't my language, when I say guys, and most, most police I know, when I say guys, that's men and women. It's not, mm-hmm. not gender-specific. Nope. Again, walking the dogs the other day, my wife and I were walking our Rottweilers. It was at night, and a Palm Beach County sheriff's deputy came rolling down our street. He had his lights all on, said hello. I'd never seen one before. It's reassuring knowing that you men and women are out there and, and doing the best you can to provide some level of stability, predictability, and that it's going to be okay, and we'll make it through this.
1: Sure, but we can't forget, as you know, you know, we... we need public help as well. Going into the numbers, um, 1.8 officers per thousand residents, that's a lot of ground to cover. And so, you know, we can't be everywhere at once, we can't see everything at once. And we we, we rely on the community to step forward, because after all, you know, sometimes the public forgets that uh, we are public safety partners, not providers. In other words, uh, there's a great deal of of the responsibility of safety that is up to the public too. You know, yeah. Like you can patrol all you want if they're leaving the wall in the front seat. And you know, you know where that story ends, right? Of. So, just, just a big call for help. That community is a big part of the answer as well.
0: And are you finding that people are changing their their attitudes towards law enforcement during this crisis?
1: Well, in, in my area, I definitely see a lot less foot traffic. But the people that you that you do see in public places, such as like a gas station, they will definitely be. More attentive, they'll say hi, obviously with social distancing. But, you know, yeah, they do seem like the, there's a priority shift between what we want and what we're realizing that is are the pillars of the community, so to speak.
0: When you get calls for service to, let's just say, a, a person's house, one of two things I would encounter one would be either a very hostile group, there were the regulars that you wound up going to all the time. And then you had mm-hmm. people who were very apologetic that they they didn't want to call the police or their house. They didn't want the police involved for whatever reason. And we either, either one, It was not a high light moment for them. It was a bad situation. Mm-hmm. When you get calls for service, John, are you finding that people are are more appreciative that you're still there doing your job or are you still encountering the same hostility? For example, you have seen the news, a guy saying, I got corona, and then coughs on the officers.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's been... Uh, thankfully, not too much of that, but yeah, I in the, in the whole country. Somebody I was seeing on uh, LinkedIn the other day was uh, licking stuff at a local store. I don't want to ruin the name of the store, but licking, and he got arrested, I guess, terrorism or something like that, which I fully agree with. I mean, you know that you're sick. Why are you trying to get other sick? So, yes, there is that disgusting side of people. I would say a lot of the calls to service go as it goes to every other officer. Obviously, the person that... Uh, got called on is is not happy to see you and nine times out of ten or eight times out of ten maybe uh, there's an arrest made and not too much of an issue but uh i don't think the the coronavirus has changed that necessarily at
0: least not through what i've experienced are you guys receiving any additional hazard duty pay Mm,
1: we have not uh even local agencies in the area that they have not been either and you know you have this question you have a nationally declared pandemic so how is it that you know obviously the threat is greater than normal it's in essence a war zone so you know wondering what the formula is but there is no legislation state and state level as far as that so really no way to make them do the right thing in my mind
0: and the reality is most departments uh when i say departments is either city county or state uh, they only have a certain amount of funding and there's an emergency contingent for emergency situations and there isn't the budget to accommodate extra things like extra pay. John, I wanna thank you so much for being a guest on the show and thanks so much for your service. Both are very much appreciated.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you and uh, Captain Bloomberg as well uh, for the outstanding things that law enforcement today. And uh, I look forward to listening to the show and uh, everyone out there listening, uh, tune in to law enforcement today, daily because they have a lot of great news to share every day.
0: Hey folks, when you have a chance, Check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, click, like, and follow. As click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. For great news articles, past episodes of the Law Enforcement Today Show podcast, download our free app, and much more, go to our website, letradioshow.com That's letradioshow.com On behalf of everyone associated with Law Enforcement Today radio show and website this is John J. Wiley Until next time, see ya